Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Uh, I love the story of David, not just because I share his name, David. David means beloved. I think I have the coolest name in the church, David Dela Cruz. If you know Spanish, that means beloved of the cross. Come on. You cannot get any better than that. Love it. I love it. Such a spiritual name, anointed name. Speaking of anointed, that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about today. I wanted to talk to you about the anointing. You see, when we look at David's life, I think there are a lot of things that grab our attention, right? A lot of things that we love about David. Uh, Of course, every little kid knows the story of David and Goliath. Yes, that little boy wiping out, killing killing Goliath. Although none of my little kid stories, the the little kid books that I had as a kid, had David chopping off Goliath's head, uh, had the rated R version. But David is known for doing great things, right? David kills a giant. He's a little boy. And he kills this superhuman soldier, Goliath. It's like something out of a movie. But it wasn't just that. David would go on from being a shepherd boy to becoming a great king. Israel's second king, it's, I would argue, even greater than Solomon in, what he, in many ways because of the way that he established Israel. Amazing, amazing king. David was not just a great warrior. He wasn't just a great shepherd. He wasn't just a great king. David was also an amazing worship leader. If you've read through the Psalms, you know half of those Psalms were written by David. David was an amazing musician, totally gifted powerfully, powerfully used by God. I mean, think of it. We are still songing, singing songs today 3,000 years later. You know that's powerful. You know that's influential. That's mighty. So David, not just a great warrior, not just a great king, not just a, a great shepherd, not just a, gr- a great musician, a worship leader. There's something about David's heart that is really worth noticing. When David would sin, grievously, terribly sin against people in his own nation and his own core, people that were loyal to him, even when David would sin, when he was confronted about that sin, what was David's response? Immediate humility, brokenness, repentance, wanting to make himself right with God. David really was a great man. But I would argue this. It wasn't any of those things that made David great. What I want to argue today and what I'm hoping that that you'll buy into and you'll you'll believe with me is that it is the anointing that made David great. It's the anointing that made David great. What's been the series that we've been in? It's the king before the king. Before David ever had a title, he had the anointing. The anointing is what made David great. So today, if... um, If you're with me and if you're ready for this, I want you to believe something. And I want you to confess something. The anointing was not just for David. The anointing is for me. Say it's for me. you got to say it like you believe it. It's for me. You're not being conceited, right? You're not being cocky or proud when you say this. The anointing is for me. you got to confess that over your life you got to say it like you believe it. You may have come in saying, oh, my life is a mess. My family's upside down. I just feel like I'm going in the wrong direction. Don't confess that. Confess this. The anointing is for me. I want you to believe that. I want you to confess that. I want it to be deep in your heart. If you forget everything else I say today, believe this. The anointing is for who? It's for me. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's look at David's life and let's look at the anointing. I'm going to jump around a little bit because when we look at the anointing, I feel that there are a bunch of things that the anointing brings with it. A lot of things. 
I want to say it in the best way possible, the anointing brings baggage. <laughs> in, in the best way possible, the anointing, when it comes out to your life, God's anointing brings all kinds of baggage, good baggage. You know, there's good baggage and bad baggage, right? <laughs> We're looking for the good baggage. I want to look at the first one, the first thing. This comes from, um, uh, oh, actually, yeah, I, I jumped ahead of myself. Let's first look at David's anointing. It says, so he, Jesse, this Jesse being David's father, Jesse sent for him, David, and had him brought in. And he was glowing with health. And had a fine appearance and handsome features. David was a handsome kid. The kid could sing. He was handsome. He was young. He was like a boy band all in one. Um, <laughs> then, then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. This is the one. David was anointed as a young man. When we look at the, the word anointing, we, we use that word a lot, right? We're always praying for the anointing. We're looking for the anointing. The anointing, if, if you're familiar with this word in the Bible, it literally just means to pour, to scrub, to pour onto, to rub onto. The anointing was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. You see, in the Old Testament, when they would take the olive oil and anoint someone with oil, it wasn't a little dab. If you've ever been anointed in oil in our church, we're very polite about it. We don't want to make a mess. We don't want to mess up your makeup, so we take just a little dab of oil. We just make a nice little, maybe a little sign of the cross in your head, a little dab. But in the Old Testament, when they would anoint you with oil, they had a bucket of olive oil. And they would pour that oil over your head. And that oil was not cheap. It was expensive. It was costly. It even took time to prepare it. There were special ingredients that had to go into the oil. The anointing was something special. If you had oil, especially a lot of oil, someone would know you're not, uh, you're not going to be wasteful with that. There's something precious about it. There's something special about it. You're saving it for someone or for an occasion. I want you to know God has been saving up oil for you. He's pouring out oil over you. The anointing, the anointing. You know, David... It's interesting when you look at that, that account. David was anointed by, by Samuel. But uh, when you look earlier in that chapter, you see that Samuel uh, is asking Jesse for his sons. He says, one of your sons is going to be anointed. So Jesse, David's father, lines up his sons, right, one after another. And after every one of them, it's noted that Samuel says, this is not the one. You, who else is there? Who else can be anointed? It's interesting that Jesse overlooked his own son, David. Jesse didn't see anything special about David. Samuel was looking for someone that, that was after God's heart. Samuel was looking for, 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 for the one that God had chosen. They, Jesse did not get, you know, father of the year or trophy, dad trophies because of uh, how he acted that day. But he ignored, he, he overlooked his son, David. In fact, look at this. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, if we have it, yep, it says, But the Lord spoke to Samuel and said this, The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? God doesn't just look at, you know, what you and I might look at, but God sees something in you that is unique to you, that is special to you, that God says, I can come on this thing, I can make it powerful and useful. He says, the Lord does not look at things, uh, uh, does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Today, I want you to invite yourself for God's anointing. I want you to prepare yourself for God's anointing. I believe there are three things that can help you. Very quickly, this isn't my message, but very quickly, I believe there's purity. 
one with pure of heart, right? David had, a, had the right heart. He had a heart after God. God loves a pure heart. A pure heart gives room for the anointing. See, when a heart isn't pure, it's full of pride. I don't need God. I don't need other people. I could do this thing on my own. But God loves purity. He loves a pure heart. Second thing that the anointing needs is it needs humility. It needs humility. Again, pride is not going to give room to the anointing. David was someone who was not proud. He was someone who was humble. We see that many, many times in his, in his, in his life. The third thing that I think we see with the anointing, something that attracts the anointing, is preparation. It's preparation. There are many, many people in the Bible who are used by God, but they had a period of preparation. They had time where God had to kind of send them out into the wilderness. He had to send them to school to learn deep things of God so that while they were in private, they were being prepared for something public. And I think that's very true of many, many people. Elisha would serve Elijah for six years before he would have his time. Joseph would spend 13 years in waiting. Moses was out in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus was even preparing. God was using jo- God was preparing Jesus for 30 years. And even at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus would go into the wilderness for 40 days to pray and to fast. And David is no different. David also had that time of preparation. So... Do not be afraid of preparation. Don't be afraid. If, if you feel like, I don't feel God's anointing, I feel like it's not on me or in me, I would say, have you been working in those three areas? Strip away any pride. Make sure you're humble. Make sure your heart's in a good place. And then ask yourself, have you spent any time preparing? Because the anointing loves that time of preparation. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time away from, you know, kind of worldly things. Get close to the things of God. All right, so today I want to look at six or seven things. The truth is when I first prepared this, I was looking at six things that the anointing brings, and I realized six is not an anointed number, right? Six is not an anointed number. So I had to come up with the seventh one. I believe God is in the seventh one. Can I get an amen? Amen? All right, so we got seven things the anointing brings. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, text it to a friend that needs to hear about the anointing. Number one, the first thing that the anointing brings is belonging, is belonging. The first thing that we see the anointing bring is belonging. Isn't it true with David? David was someone who wasn't even esteemed in his own family. His own father looked down on him, sent him out to take care of the sheep while his brothers would entertain the prophet. David was out doing menial things, right? Assigned these menial tasks while his brothers were more esteemed. But that's not how God looked at David. When God put his hand on David and God anointed David, God brought David close to himself and David found belonging. David would now be called God's anointed one. God's anointed one. I want to read this scripture from 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, it says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Say in Christ. Christ. God does something in Christ. We'll come back to that. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. First thing I want you to notice in this verse is that we are established. We are standing firm. Where? In Christ. Who do you belong to? Christ. Where do you belong? In Christ. You know that term. Just those two words are used over and over again in the Bible. 
It's used 130 times in the New Testament in Christ. It's like God is trying to say something to us. It's like God is trying to get something into our hearts. That we are not off by, our, by ourselves. That we're not in this thing by ourselves. But we are in Christ. We are standing firm in Christ. This is where you belong. The second thing I want you to see is he anointed us. Put your hand right over your heart. And say, he has anointed me. He's anointed you. I hope you see that. I hope you believe that. Sometimes when we think about the anointing, we think, oh, that's a spiritual word. That's for spiritual people. That's for people like David. That's people for like those, those prophets and priests and pastors today that can, that can do amazing miracles. It's true, right? God does anoint people. God's gifting is on them. And in the Old Testament, you see prophets anointed. You see priests anointed. You see kings anointed. But he's also anointed you. He's anointed you and I. Again, I don't want you to leave this building thinking the anointing is amazing for other people. I want you to see the anointing is needed for me. It's amazing for me. It's on me. The, the other thing that we see here is that this is a deposit. I believe the, the anointing is on you, but it's just the beginning. I believe God wants to grow that anointing. Did you know an anointing can grow? Did you know that? Elisha asked for a double portion of what Elijah had. In other words, you can get more of it. I believe you can grow in this thing. You can invite it. You can be ready for it. And then it's guaranteeing what is to come. God wants to do more in your life. This is just the beginning. Don't be content with just saying, I'm here. I made it to, uh, I made it to church. Uh, I'll see you in heaven, Pastor. This is just the beginning. God wants to do so much more in your life. Amen? Amen. Second thing that we see the anointing bringing is God's favor. Number two, God's favor. When the anointing comes on a person, God's favor is on them as well. We see it again with David and David's life. In, a, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, you see how David is anointed. And in the next chapter, it talks about how Saul, the Spirit of God, left Saul. Saul would realize for many years he could not compete with David because David had God's favor. If there's one thing you should know, you cannot compete with God's favor. When God's favor is on you, you are special. You are set apart. The word anoint in the New Testament means set apart. It's anointed one. It's where we get the name Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed one. Jesus was set apart. And Jesus is, and his word is telling us that we also have been set apart. Amen? There's a man in our, our church. I was praying with him last week. He had this prayer request that he would be able to see his kids. His kids live on the other side of the country, literally on the other side of the country. And he had been praying and wanted to be closer to them and wasn't sure if, if God would be able to open that door. He, he has a good job. He's getting paid very well. But then he started looking around and he met somebody. And in one meeting, in the first meeting that he met this man, he was offered a, offered a job on the spot. On the spot. First, first, uh, first opportunity. And as he was talking to the man, the man said, I want you to work for me. And I'm going to pay you a guaranteed salary is more than what he was making now. And I want to make sure that I pay for your moving expenses. I'm going to move you to where my company is. I'm going to pay for all your moving expenses. And I'm going to pay for your first and last month's rent. And guess where he'd be moving to? Right where his kids are. Right where his kids are. You see, when God's favor is on you and God is for you, God takes pleasure in seeing you move forward. He takes pleasure in seeing answered prayers in your life, seeing your family thrive, seeing your family receive the favor of God. What is that man walking in? 
He's walking in the favor of God. He's walking. I believe he's anointed. I believe God's hand is over him. Amen? Amen? Believe me. Listen, when you walk in God's anointing, God's favor comes on you where he loves you. He delights in seeing you advance and move forward. Here's the third thing. The first thing the anointing brings is belonging. The second thing the anointing brings is God's favor. The third thing it brings is purpose, is purpose. God has an assignment for you. Do you know that? God has an assignment for you. He has a mission. He has a purpose for you. For David, his assignment was to become king. His assignment was to kill Goliath. That was his assignment. None of us have any assignments to murder people today. But, but David, that was his assignment. He had to wipe out those Philistines. That was God's calling, his mission, and David accomplished it in a, in a godly way. It's amazing. But did you know that just like David had an assignment, you and I have an assignment. And we're not the only ones. Did you know Jesus needed the anointing? Did you know Jesus needed the anointing? Did you know Jesus had an assignment? Look at this in Luke chapter 4. I want to read this verse with you. Jesus went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. And the Bible says he went up to the scrolls and grabbed the scroll of Isaiah. And he opened it up and opened it up to Isaiah chapter 61. And here's what he read. Jesus is quoting from Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Jesus said this. Because he has anointed me. Jesus was anointed. You're seeing how Jesus had the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is on him. The anointing is on him. If Jesus needed the anointing, you and I need the anointing. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, you and I need the Holy Spirit. Let's go on. He says, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Good news, that's the gospel. Jesus brought the gospel. He brought good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind. Jesus brings freedom. He brings healing. And look at this. He says, to proclaim the year of God's favor. What did we just say? The anointing brings what? Favor. The anointing brings God's favor. It was on Jesus, and it's on you. I want to encourage you with something. You belong in Christ. That's a, that's a, a position, right? You are in a good place when you're in Christ. But don't be content with just your position. Find your purpose. Don't be content with just your place. I'm here, pastor. I'm good. I got my Bible open. I'm ready. I'm amening. God has a purpose for you too. What is that purpose? What is that thing that God is swirling around in your heart? It's almost like this holy discontent that you feel like, I, I got to do something. I, I have to be a part of this. I have to make this thing right. I'm not content just going through life. You have a purpose. Jesus had a purpose. David had a purpose. You and I have a purpose. Say it. I have a purpose. Don't be content with that. I believe that as you ask for the anointing, I believe that the anointing unlocks purpose. The, the anointing shows you and reveals purpose. That's what we see happen throughout the Bible. Let's go on. The fourth thing that we see the anointing bring. Again, the first thing, God brings belonging, right? The anointing brings belonging. It brings God's favor. It brings God's purpose. And then number four, it brings power. It brings power. It brings authority. When you have the Holy Spirit on you, you have the power of God on you. It's not you. It really is something amazing. It's something divine. It's something miraculous. One of the... Uh, 
One of the people that I love studying in, in church history is a man by the name of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, if you've ever heard of this man. Uh, D.L. Moody lived in the 1800s, 1850s to the uh, 1899 is when he died. But this man was an amazing preacher, amazing evangelist. He traveled across the country, Chicago, New York, Boston. He even went over to Europe, preached over there. Amazing man of God. He didn't start out that way. He started out as a shoe salesman. Started out selling shoes. And not, not to disparage shoe salesmen, but that was, his, that was his goal in life. He said, I want to be the best shoe salesman ever. I want to I sell shoes and make, his life goal was to make $100,000. That would seem like a lot of money in the 1800s. And he felt like that would make him a wealthy man and he would be, you know, the, the, the top of the shoe salesman profession. But then he met Jesus. Then he met Jesus. And then Jesus started giving him new desires, new purpose. And there was one time where he took out a piece of chalk, and he took the chalk and drew it in the ground, and he drew right around himself a circle, right in the ground, drew a circle around himself in the ground, put the chalk down, and then he prayed and said, God, I give you everything in this circle. Everything in this circle belongs to you. And after he prayed that, he started to want to be better in the ministry. He wanted to serve God. He started praying for the anointing. He started praying for God's power over his life. That's a prayer God loves to answer. That's a prayer God loves to respond to. And there was one day, he was raising money for a fire that happened in Chicago. He was in New York City walking down Wall Street. And while he was walking down the street, the anointing hit him. Come on, you don't always have to be in church on Sunday for the anointing to hit you. It can happen in your car. It can happen while you're talking to your kids. Sometimes I'm having coffee with someone and the anointing comes over our conversation and God starts working in it. But he's walking down the street, Wall Street in New York. And he says, all of a sudden, it was this incredible power and presence. Those were his words. The power and presence. And then he added, he said, it was like this love just was poured over him. And and he was speechless. For a man who spoke a lot, he was speechless at this moment. He was so overcome by this experience that he went to a friend's home in New York. And he just said, I need to be left alone. I just need to seek God, pray to God. And it was in that moment, he was starting to pray and seek God, that God started to, I mean, this was all the anointing, right? The anointing was coming over him. That God started to give him a new desire to preach and to be an evangelist. Before that, he was doing a lot of good works. And he was helping people. He's starting schools, good things. But this is when God stirred in him to preach the word, to get the gospel out there. And after that, he had spoken before, but now he would speak. And people would say, D.L., we heard you speak before. You're a different man now. There's something different about the way you're speaking. Some of your, I mean, you're using the same verses. You're even saying the same words. But there's power in your sermons now. There's power when you come and you speak and address a crowd. D.L. Moody would go on to coach and try to help other pastors and preachers to, to seek after the anointing. And he would warn them. He'd say, listen. Don't try to do it in your own strength. If you try to do it in your own strength, you're like a man beating at the wind. You're not landing any punches. He said, instead, invite the anointing of God over your life. Then you can land a punch. Then you can be effective. D.L. Moody understood. He would talk about this as well. When I was reading his biography, he talked about the, the, the difference between like David and Goliath. You see, Goliath was, he was a giant. And Goliath had strength. But David had power. There's a difference between strength and power. David had power. The Pharisees, they had influence. They had titles. But the disciples, they had power. You and I have power. When the anointing is on your life, you carry the power of God. 
that where you go, your prayers are answered. Your prayers are full of faith. They release, they bring freedom, they bring hope. The same things that Jesus did, in, uh, talked about in Luke chapter 4, happens for us as well. Here's the fifth thing that the anointing brings. It brings belonging, it brings God's favor, it brings God's purpose, it brings power, and it brings gladness. It brings gladness. Look at this in Psalm 45, verse 7. It says, you love righteousness and you hate wickedness. And therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. This verse has so many of the things we talked about. Has that pure righteousness, right? Hating that purity, that humble heart. Hating wickedness. And then it says, your God, that belonging that we talked about earlier, right? We belong to him. Then it also says, God has set you above your companions. Favor, right? Psalm 45 is saying the same things we've been saying so far. And then it says, God has also anointed you with the oil of joy, the oil of gladness. When the anointing gets on you, the Holy Spirit, again, when we talk about the anointing, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit gets on you, joy gets on you. Gladness gets on you. Where you're no longer, you no longer have to be content with your, uh, content with uh, your life and how it's going. But God starts pouring into you a, a refreshing, a, a new life, a new joy. It's not just a spiritual thing. He gets into your mind, into your heart. He affects your emotions. It's a powerful thing. And David walked in the anointing. We talked about David and Saul. Saul was someone who, who, who had an evil spirit that would come on him, that he would be plagued by all kinds of emotional distress. I don't know if it was depression or anxiety. Something was on him, and it was very spiritual. But David was anointed. And David had this anointing of joy and gladness and release and freedom. And when he would come, Saul would invite uh, and his people would invite David to come and sing songs and minister in music. David would come and start playing the harp. And while he was playing, gladness and joy and healing and release would come over him. And, and Saul would find release from that, would find relief from it. I want you to know, when the anointing comes on you, you get joy. You get gladness. You don't have to stay stuck in anxiety and worry and depression. The anointing pushes those kind of things out if we allow it to, if we invite it to. And we experience it every single Sunday, every single Sunday, right? We worship together, and that's a t it's such a sacred time because God's doing a deep things there. He's bringing joy. He's bringing gladness. Number six, the sixth thing that the, the anointing brings, and I had a hard time putting my finger on this one. I was struggling with it, trying to find it. But it's, it's this, uniqueness, uniqueness. When the anointing comes on you, there's something special to you. The anointing doesn't make copies. I'll say it again. The anointing doesn't make copies. God uses things in you that are unique to you, and he amplifies them. He makes them powerful. He makes them useful. He makes them mighty. In Exodus chapter 31, we see how God, God's anointing is not just for the prophets, priests, and the kings, but it's also for regular people. Look at this. This is in Exodus chapter 31. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, this is when Moses was building the tabernacle. He says, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Next verse. 
to make, say make, artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, and to cut and set stones to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Bezalel was anointed not to preach or to be a priest. He was anointed to what? To make, to create. The anointing is full of all kinds of gifts and uses us to accomplish God's work, whatever it may be. For some, it's to pastor. For some, it's to be evangelist, to bring healing. But then for others, the anointing may be to make. You know, in this church, we have some amazing builders. We have men in our church on Wednesday nights who have been coming out to help make sure that our, our property and the, and the campus and the building next door, the kids' center, would be ready for the launch that we had last week and the week before. Amazing. Those men are anointed. I hope men, those men, that you, when you are putting your hands to that, I hope you see yourselves as full of God's spirit, that God anointed you, appointed you to make and to build. Here's the next thing that it says, going back to that verse. Moreover, in other words, now he's saying, more importantly, I have also appointed Ohiliab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. So we have an anointing to make, but we also have an anointing to help. Did you know you can be anointed to help? Because I know not everyone wants to be in the front. Some of us like to be in the background. We don't want the attention on us, right? But then others, others are, are anointed to help, to work, to make the work possible. He says, also I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. Every one of us are anointed. Every one of us are anointed, whether it's to lead, whether it's to preach, whether it's to, maybe it's in a crew, right? We, in our church, we have crew leaders who I believe are anointed to do that work. They have that gift for hospitality. They love people. They're willing to pray. They're willing to remember their birthday. They're, they're spending time with people every other week. This week is a crew week. If you're not a part of a crew, I would encourage you, sign up for a crew. Don't go through your life alone. Sign up for a crew. Meet a crew leader. Get plugged into the community. Some are anointed for that. But then in our church, we have other people. Many of us are on the A-team, right? Or we're serving in We Heart Lives. There is an anointing over you to do that work. You're not doing it in your own strength. You're doing it in God's strength. Amen? Amen? And I want to encourage you, last thing, not to plug movement course, but if you want to learn more about the uh, shameless plug, what can I say? Uh, if you want to learn more about your anointing and want to learn more about your gifts and your strengths, I would encourage you, go to movement course. Sign up for movement course this week. Jump into it next week. Because in movement course, you take a test. My son was uh, just finished movement course. He was going through it, and he was talking about his gifting uh, result and talking about the gifts that he has and the things he loves to do. I think the kid wants to be a preacher someday. We'll see. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, seventh thing, seventh thing, the last thing that God's anointing brings to us is renewal, is renewal. There's something refreshing about the anointing when it comes onto our lives, something amazing that happens. Another example from church history that I love, I can't help it, I love church history, I love the history of the church, the body of Christ. There was a great man and preacher who pastored during a great revival called the Great Awakening, and it was during this time that in the 1700s, 1730s, 1740s, he lived in New England. He had a, a, a good church, well-known church, but uh, he just was, he was bothered that there seemed to be no spiritual temperature, no, no spiritual fervor in the church. People would come, but they would go, and it seemed to have no imprint on their life, no change on their life. And this man, this pastor, Jonathan Edwards, started praying for his church, praying and fasting, praying and fasting. And God's anointing came over his church and over him. 
there would be times when he would preach and he would just, he would not preach like I'm preaching, using my hands and raising my voice, lowering my voice. He would just preach very monotone. He would have his notes printed out exactly what he was going to say and he would just read his sermon and the anointing would come on and people would start weeping. People were moved. Sometimes it was the same sermons that he would preach. The same sermons he would preach before and after. But now the anointing was on him. And the anointing was on the church. And suddenly there was revival and renewal. People wanted to be in church. People were, were touched by God, wanted to be, experience the things of God. They wanted to be baptized. They started to receive healings in the church. It was an amazing revival and renewal. What am I saying? That when the anointing comes onto your life, God does something new. He renews things. He refreshes you. The Bible talks, I'll invite the worship team up. The, the Bible talks about uh, an oil that is uh, a fresh oil, not yesterday's oil. You need an oil for today. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you guys as we, um, as we wrap up our time. Because when we talk about whether it's D.L. Moody or David or Jonathan Edwards, these are mighty men. Mighty women of God that, that have been used in church history who are, without a doubt, anointed. But I also believe that you are anointed, that God wants to put an anointing over your life, over your family, so that you can experience renewal. You can experience God's favor in your life, that you find new power and new purpose, that you don't feel like you're going through life alone, but you know that you're with God, that God is with you, that you are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.